0: Ha, 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 ha. Church music, y'all. Oh, hallelujah. You know, I've told people over the years, it's not better because it's old, and it's not wrong because it's new. It's the content. It's the content. Uh, All you married ladies, now, I don't know if your husbands can sing. Yes, amen. If, If they can't, exercise your faith. But here's the thing. Do you want your husband to sing something about you or something to you? You want him to sing a song about love or sing that song to you? Where we run into problems is people say a lot about God, but the presence shows up when we sing to God. I was talking to the praise team this morning, and I said, you know, you can have a song that, that talks about God. Oh, God's so powerful. God's so wonderful. Or you can sing a song that says, God, you're amazing. Amen. You overwhelm me yes. with your mercy. I, I am reduced to nothing when I think about you. You're so good to me. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. And his presence shows up. When you worship Him, you invite His presence because you're preparing a place for Him. When God created, in the very beginning, the Old Testament tabernacle, it was created for a place of worship, to worship God. The Bible says that when we were born again, that we were made the temple of the living God and that we worship Him in spirit and in truth. We are the temple of God. The presence of God dwells on the inside of you. You, you, are, you are not just whoever you are. You're the dwelling place of the presence of God. The very living Spirit of Almighty God lives on the inside of you. You are walking around with God Himself on the inside of you. Whew. Hallelujah. 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 You are the Shekinah glory dwelling place of God. When God God moved out of the natural holy of holies and that... That, that curtain was rent from top to bottom. It was evidence not only that there was no more natural form of man-made worship. It was evidence that God no longer dwelt in a temple made by hands. But he moved into men and women. And the prophecy that was fulfilled said, I will live in them. I will live in them. I will talk in them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Glory to God. That's why the enemy fights so hard to make you think less of yourself and to make you feel like you're not this and you're not that. He uses condemnation and guilt and shame because when you realize that you are the carrier of the presence of God, everything changes. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. Say it out loud. Christ. In me, the hope of glory. You are walking around with the glory of God on the inside of you. That same glory that produced everything that we see, that same glory that developed everything that God developed, it lives on the inside of you. And the Bible says that the world is waiting. They are agonizing. They are hopeful to see the realization of the glory of God manifest through his people. It is the year for the church to display the power of God. We just got to let it out. We just got to let it out. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 We're not just saved versions of what we used to be. I I, want to show you something. Is this okay? The Holy Spirit reserves the right to change whatever He wants. Look over here at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Redemption. Galatians 3.13 says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having been made a curse for us, so that the blessing, the covenant blessing, I have a covenant, right? The covenant blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Christ. Is that right? Christ has redeemed me. Christ has redeemed me. Hallelujah. New Testament word redeemed. Four different meanings for the New Testament word redeemed. In Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 where it says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. It means to buy back by payment of a ransom. Christ bought me back. Christ bought. Sin had kidnapped me. The devil had kidnapped me. The ransom that was owed was the greatest price that could be paid. The devil was demanding a high price for my life. I was sold into the slave market of sin. When Jesus came into the earth, he came into the earth, the son of man and the son of God. And he came into the earth and the earth was full of the slave market of sin. Satan was running roughshod over every person, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. Every person born into this people planet was born a sinner with no hope of any salvation because there was no way to get to God. Hallelujah. Jesus came into the earth. I'm I'm, I'm cutting a lot out. Jesus came into the earth, and you remember what he said. He said that the Son of Man was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Is that what 1 John says? Everybody say, destroy the works of the devil. Now, what are the works of the devil? Number one, sin. Number two, separation from God. Number three, stealing. Number four, killing. Number five, destroying. Stealing, killing, and destroying. Those are the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy. Everybody say destroy. Destroy. The works of the devil. Let's try that again. Jesus came came to destroy destroy the the works of the devil. Hallelujah. How many know if that's what he came to do, that's what he did. And he redeemed you. He bought you back. He paid the ransom. And bought you out of bondage. A bondage that you could not get yourself free from. A bondage that you had no hope of ever getting reconciled to God. But Jesus in one fell swoop of his blood upon the cross. Bought you back. And redeemed you. And the book of Hebrews says. He paid the eternal price and secured our eternal redemption. And he put his blood on the heavenly mercy seat. On the altar in heaven. And the Bible says. Because the altar has been cleansed. By the blood of Jesus. That whatever touches the altar. Is made clean. When you go into the heavenly holies of holies. Even though you're a sinner. Even though you're a failure. Even though you've messed everything up in your life. You are laid on that altar. Where the blood of Jesus has been applied. And you are made clean. By the blood of Jesus. Glory! Whatever touches the altar is made new. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's why we can say, You won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. If you're bound, oppressed, tormented, sick, or lame, the power of the blood is still the same. You won't leave like you came in Jesus' name. Oh, glory. Oh, glory. When Jesus rose from the dead, he had had paid the legal price for our sin. When Jesus went to the cross, he went to the cross and he paid the legal debt for our sin. The vital debt. Had to be paid for our sin. There's two sides of redemption. The legal side and the vital side. There's the legal side that gives you a legal right to what Jesus paid for. There's the vital side that gives you a legal right to walk in it. Yeah. Go, go, go over here to Acts. Is this okay? Yes, now I know that everybody is not around this teaching all the time and I I ask you please if 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 you hear something or you see something that you've not heard before, you don't maybe you've not been taught that, just keep chewing on it. <laughs> In Acts chapter 2. Oh glory. Verse 22. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you. By miracles, signs, and wonders, which he did, which God did by him in the midst of you. Now, it's important that you see that. Jesus said, the Father in me does the works. And notice he said, he said which God did by him. See, that's why Jesus could say in the book of John, chapter, chapter 14, I believe it is, he said, the works that he said, he said, I am going to my Father. And he said, I'm going to my Father, and the works that I do, you shall do. And greater than these shall you do because I go to the Father. People have wondered what that means. Here's what that means. That means the Father has been in me doing the works. I am going to the Father. When I go to the Father, the Father's gonna dwell in you and the same works the Father did through me, the Father will do through you. Oh, glory. glory. Him being delivered by the determined counsel, and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God raised up.. Now see that hearkens all the way back. We're going to come back here. That harkens all the way back to the everlasting covenant. Nine times in Genesis 17, God told Abraham, "This covenant is my covenant." Three times he said it's the everlasting covenant. Now I want you to see something, Hebrews 13. Because notice it says God raised him up. God raised him up. How did God raise him up? What was the channel? What was the avenue? What was the instrumentation that God raised Jesus up through? Verse 20, Hebrews 13, 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. The covenant that God made with Abraham was stronger than death for Abraham and it was stronger than death for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 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 Ah, I want you to see this. He was delivered whom God raised up. How did he do it? What was the instrumentality? Through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Notice. Loose the pains of death. It was not Possible that he should be holding of it. Why? He had a covenant. He was part of the Abrahamic covenant. In Genesis 22, the Bible says this, that when Abraham was about to put the knife in his son, the Bible says the angel of the Lord. The Hebrew says the angel of the covenant. Called from heaven and said don't touch the lad because now i know because of this thing that you now watch that you have been willing to give your son your only son hebrews 11 says that abraham offered up his only begotten son it's important the bible says in hebrews 11 let's go over there is this all right we're going to come back to acts just I, brought, I hope you brought your flipping finger. We'll flip through these pages, or, or your device or swiping or however you do it. Mm. Let's start in verse 17. Brother Dave, can you show me that in the Amplified Bible, please, sir? Hebrews 11:17. "Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Ha ha. Ha ha. ha, ha. By faith. Abraham, when he was put to the test, while the testing of his faith was still in progress, had already brought Isaac for an offering. He who had gladly received and welcomed God's promises was ready to sacrifice his only son. Next verse. Of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your descendants be reckoned. Notice. For he reasoned that God was able to raise him up even from among the dead. Indeed, in the sense, Isaac was figuratively dead. What does that mean? In Abraham's mind, it's done. There's no going back here. You got to understand that. In God's mind and Abraham's mind, this is done. The Bible says, now hold that right there for me, please. The Bible says, remember they were going up the, the mountain? And Isaac said, Father, I see the wood, I see the fire, where's the sacrifice? Abraham said, the Lord will provide. That's Abraham's faith statement. But Abraham did not change his mind. He didn't get to the mountain and not see a ram or not see a goat or not see a sacrifice and go, well, I can't do this. No, the Bible says he bound his son and put him on the altar and took the knife to slay his son. Genesis 22. Is that right? He was figuratively dead, potentially sacrificed. He did actually receive him back from the dead. He did actually receive him back from the dead. God needed Abraham's only son because the day would come that the nations and God's people would need God's only Son. And the only way that God's only son could die and go into the grave and be raised again is because Abraham's son really died and was brought back from the dead. There was a covenant agreement that you give me your son and I'll give you my son. But because of the covenant blood, there was a line that was already there that guaranteed Jesus being raised from the dead. And that covenant, oh, that covenant guarantees that everything God promised you will occur. See, we're still talking about the covenant. It was the right title. Back over in Acts. This is so important. It was not possible that he should be holden of death. Why was it not possible? Because death couldn't hold Isaac. Not possible for Jesus to be holden by death. Not because he was God. Because he had a covenant. You understand that? Jesus did not raise from the dead because he was God. He rose from the dead because he had a covenant with God. Notice this. For David speaks concerning him. I foresaw the Lord for always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh shall rest in hope. Now, notice, my flesh shall rest in hope. Now, wait a minute. What is he quoting? Psalm 22, Messianic psalm. Psalm 22 is a messianic psalm about the redemption of Jesus Christ. Psalm 23 is a present day new creature psalm talking about our victory in present day earth. Psalm 24 is a psalm about the thousand year reign of Christ and what's going to happen when he returns. In Psalm 22, this psalmist starts out talking about the things of God and gets over into prophecy and prophesies the death of Jesus. But notice... My heart did rejoice. My tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh shall rest in hope. Why is his flesh resting in hope? You will not leave my soul in hell. Oh, neither will you suffer your holy one to see corruption. Now, here's here's what I wanted to get. The legal debt is paid. The blood is shed, but the penalty, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Not just physical death. Spiritual death. You persist in sin, you persist in spiritual death. The price had to be paid to the full. It wasn't over at the cross. The Bible says that Jesus had to go to the place of departed spirits. Jesus had to go to hell and pay the price. The Bible says you will not leave my soul in hell. You read Psalm 22. Jesus started rejoicing in hell. Jesus started praising God in hell for what? His deliverance. Now, people that have a problem with Jesus going to hell have a problem with being redeemed. If he didn't go, you have to. See, we're, we're, we're real quick to say, you know, he died in my place, so I didn't have to die. That's true, but it didn't end there. That was the means to redemption. His death was the beginning. Ah, but all the way to the cross, all the way through the cross, all the way into the grave, all the way to the place of departed spirits or hell, he held on to that covenant. I have a covenant with Almighty God and you will not leave my soul in hell. You will not allow me to see corruption. You will raise me from the dead. I will glorify God in my body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, no matter how far things seem to have gone, the covenant will bring you out. There's no hope. Oh, yes, there's hope. There, there can be no more hopeless situation than dead and buried and in hell. But yet the Bible says he raised him up. <sighs> Because the covenant is stronger than death. Yeah, but my family's this. The covenant is stronger than what your family's doing. The covenant is stronger than the sin of your children. The covenant is stronger than the sin of your mate. You might not have a spouse that's serving God, but I'm telling you the covenant is stronger than that. If they are part of your house, the Bible says you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your household. Glory Glory. I have the covenant promise of the king I have a blood sworn oath God is standing in covenant blood Saying I swear I solemnly swear That I will save your children I'll contend with them that contend with you And I will save them I'll bring them again from the land of the enemy There is hope in your end Do not cry Begin to laugh Begin to rejoice Why they're coming home I have a promise. You have a promise. Something happened. Mm. Verse 31 says, David, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither did his flesh see corruption, this Jesus, God has raised up. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, it says, and it saith again when he cometh into the world, sacrifice and burnt offering you do not want. You're not satisfied with that, but a body you have prepared me. The word prepared has fitted me with a body. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us when that occurred. The Bible doesn't tell us when that conversation occurred. But the Bible says that the blood of Jesus was, was prescribed to be the antidote, the killer of sin before the world was. In Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sinned and Adam and Eve fell, the Bible says that that God was talking to them in the cool of the evening, and he began to talk to them and talk to the serpent. And he said to the serpent, he said, because of what you've done, you're cursed above all beasts upon the earth, and on your belly shall you go, and you'll eat the dust of the earth for the rest of time. Is that right? And then it says this, and the seed of the woman. Now, wait a minute. God didn't make that up on the fly. Here's what we'll do. And y'all blew it, but I'll figure something out. It's already done. The conversation had already been had. The working out of it had to be done. The seed of the woman, he would be a man. You see this? And he said, you fitted me with a body. Here I am. Send me. I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. I come to do your will. You see this. Now, let's go back over to 2 Corinthians. Maybe we can get into this. I don't know. He said, a body you have prepared me. You can write this down and read it on your own. He said in Galatians 4, 4, that when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son into the earth, born of a woman, made of a woman. When the completion of the time, the season, when the completion of God's time frame was reached and its, its conclusion, when it had reached its conclusion, Christ was born into the earth made of a woman his humanity gave him a right to exercise authority in the earth god had told satan the seed of the woman will crush your head he had promised abraham in genesis 22:17 that his seed a man would possess the gates of his enemy gates always represent authority And he said, your seed will possess the gates of their enemy. That's why you hear people talking about different things. And the church is this and the church is that. And the church is this other. And it's weak. And the church is anemic. And the church is this. The church is the single most feared entity that the devil has. The the, the, The devil is more afraid of the church than he is any other thing on this earth. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Why? We possess the gates. Am I helping you? Jesus was the physical seed of Abraham. Matthew 1.1, the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The son of Abraham, the son of David, the son of Abraham. You have to be a king to rule and reign. So you have to come from a kingly line. But to defeat death and hell, you have to have a blood covenant with God. Hallelujah. When Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood, the legal side of redemption was complete. The vital side of redemption would be completed after he rose from the dead. And ascended to the Father. Something had to be done. The Bible says in Hebrews the heavenly utensils of worship had to be cleansed. That's important. Adam's transgression reached all the way to heaven. You understand? When Adam sinned, had it not been that God already had a plan in motion, it's over. (laughs) But he said, I'm going to send the last Adam. When Jesus rose from the dead, you remember this. He rose from the dead. Mary found him, come upon him right after he rose from the dead, caught him in that place between rising from the dead and ascending to the Father. You remember what she said. She, she, she was trying to hold on to him, and he said, quit holding on to me because I have to ascend to my Father. Watch. Watch and now your father the my god and your god hallelujah he had to put the blood on the mercy seat when god deals with you if you remember in the old testament god told moses he said i want you to make the Ark of the Covenant. And he told him the dimensions. He told him the wood to use. And he said, I want you to overlay it with gold within and without. And he said, then I want you to make a top for it with two cherubim. And he said, this is the mercy seat. Now watch. He said, and when I commune with you, I will commune with you from the mercy seat. There was no place to sit in that entire tabernacle except the mercy seat. And that's where God sat. And that's where the blood was placed. All the way through the Bible, all the way through the Old Testament, we see the blood getting closer to God's people. In the book of Leviticus, it says that Moses took the blood and that he took the blood and he sprinkled it upon the book. And the people said all the words that God says will say. And then it says that Moses sprinkled the blood on the people. The blood is getting closer. It's on the book and then it's on the people. After it's on the book and on the people, then God says, build me a place so I can come and dwell with you. When you got born again, the blood of Jesus was sprinkled on your heart. The blood of Jesus was applied to the doorpost of your heart. And you became that place of worship for God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What does the Bible say? It says that you can enter boldly. And what will you find? Grace. To help in time of need. Deuteronomy 7, what's it say about God? It says know that your God is God, the faithful God that keeps mercy and covenant to a thousand. What's he keep? Mercy. Look at Exodus 34. Am I helping you with this? We're going to get Second 2 Corinthians. I'm watching my time, and, 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 and if we don't, we'll be back. In 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 the law in, in biblical interpretation, there's a law of hermeneutics, a law of of uh, of, tran, of 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 uh, Lord, help me! I'm so oh, I'm going I'm going hundred different directions. There there's there's a law that when you, it's called the law of first mention. And when you see something mentioned for the first time in scripture, that's how it is, that's how it is taken throughout scripture. And I want you to notice something. Notice something here in Exodus 33, verse 17. The Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. He said, I beseech you, show me your glory. Now, notice this, though. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord to you. And I'll be gracious to who I'll be gracious. And I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Now, notice, he said, I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. Verse 5, chapter 34. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him, Moses, there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Notice what he proclaimed. The Lord passed by before him, and here's what he proclaimed. The Lord, Jehovah. The Lord, Jehovah, God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, Abundance in goodness and truth. Keeping mercy for thousands. Forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. This is the first time you hear God describe himself. And notice how he describes himself. The Lord, merciful. He communes from the mercy seat. God doesn't change. Gracious, long-suffering, abundance in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, and transgression and sin. Now notice what comes first. All that comes first, and then he says, He will not clear the guilty, and, and the unrepented sin that the children are taught, that's what it means, that the children are taught to operate in, that same iniquity will be visited upon the children's children. If there's not repentance, if there's not a change, it means that that sin will just keep going in that line. God's not doing it. They're doing it. But I want you to notice that. That's what he proclaimed. Hallelujah. This is so vital. That God said, I'll commune with you from the mercy seat. Now, you do whatever you want to do with this. I propose that God's throne in heaven is the mercy seat. Now, if it's not, it doesn't matter. But here's the thing. Where's the blood? On the mercy seat. The Bible says the blood of Jesus does what? It speaks. And it says it speaks better things than the blood of Abel. The only thing the blood of Abel could cry out for was vengeance. He had been killed unjustly. Jesus was killed unjustly in that he had done nothing wrong, but in his unjust death, he satisfied justice. Remember what the, the, the high priest said? He said, it's better that one man die for the sins of everybody. And he said, he didn't know he was prophesying. Now think about this. So when the enemy comes and tells you, you've blown it, or you're going through this because God's this or God's that, what God say about himself, Remember those three things that you always have to remember? Number one, what did God say about himself? Number two, what did God say about his word? Number three, what did God say about what he would do? What did God say about himself? I'm merciful, I'm gracious, I'm forgiving, and I'm long-suffering. That's why people say this is America's last call. I disagree. disagree completely. Because of the mercy and the grace of God. You, 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 you understand? Whew. This is what God said about himself. What did God say? Are you following me? What did God say about himself? What did God say about his word? What did God say about what he would do? The Bible says that what he would do is all that would call upon him shall be saved. The Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is that what it says? Now, Second Corinthians, you thought we wouldn't get there. We'll get there. That covenant was stronger than death. Second Corinthians 5, verse 14, for the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then all were dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not Henceforth, live unto themselves. But unto him which died for them and rose again. In other words, my life is lived for him. When we talked this morning about not giving place to the devil, this is why. Because my life is to be lived for him. The Bible says to glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which belong to God. Is that right? Wherefore, henceforth, now notice, now put all this together. He died for all, all were dead, and that he died for all, they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, or in light of that, henceforth from here on out, know we no man after the flesh. THAT'S THE CHALLENGE. WE DON'T KNOW ANYBODY AFTER THE FLESH. NO CHRISTIAN. OKAY, LET ME ASK YOU A QUESTION. IF YOU SINNED YESTERDAY, NOW, now DON'T GET ME WRONG. I'M NOT TALKING ABOUT GREASY GRACE. I'M NOT TALKING ABOUT PLAYING A GAME. I'm TALKING ABOUT THE REAL THING. YOU MADE A MISTAKE YESTERDAY and you repented from your heart? Answer this question. Does God remember it? Who are you to remember it? I'm not talking about somebody that saw you do it and they remember it. I'm talking about you. Who are you to remember it? I'm not talking about you don't have to change. You can repent, and then there's still things you've got to change. If your attitude got you in, in, a, in a problem, then you repented. you got to change your attitude now or to get you in another problem. Well, Lord, forgive me. I, I sip some Mogan David. Lord, please forgive me. I repent. Well, then you better put Mogan away. Concord, grape, thunderbird, whatever you've been. Right? But now look, from here on, we don't know anybody after the flesh. It is to do dishonor to the covenant to know somebody after their past. Because blood was shed to make them a new creature. The blood of the spotless Lamb of God. The Bible is a covenant book sealed with blood on both ends. You see this. You bring up somebody's past. You're bringing up something that God forgot. When you sit around and think about all your failures, you're saying that your sin has more power than the blood of Jesus. Yeah, but what I did got me in trouble. I know, but the blood will get you out. Try that out. Tell your neighbor, say, I might have got in trouble, but the blood will get me out. Try it one more time. Tell them like you mean it. Say, the, I might have got in trouble. But the blood'll get me out. I can't tell you how many times I've had to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't know what else to do, but I just throw myself on your mercy. I I believe I trust your blood. Amen. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh. We have known Christ after the flesh, but we don't know him that way anymore. Therefore, now, now, remember, sometimes we just take this verse out of its setting. Therefore is pointing us back to what was said previously. And and you can't get the full import of therefore if you don't look at wherefore. Wherefore, henceforth, no, we know man after the flesh. Then verse 17, therefore, because we don't know any man after the flesh. If any man, somebody say any man, man. somebody say any woman, woman. say this, any person, person. be in Christ. Christ. Are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? The Bible says you are in Christ and Christ is in you. If any man be in Christ, here's a word, he is. Can, Can you show me that in the Amplified Bible? I'm taking my time for just a moment. I'm I'm looking at the time. It's 724 if you're taking medicine. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, watch, I am the vine, you're the branch. Romans 9, 10, and 11, you are grafted in. If any person is engrafted into Christ, the Messiah, he is. The Greek says, let him be. That that, that means I have a choice of how I think about it. I have to allow it. Have you ever been around somebody that could just make you feel like a failure? Anybody besides me? No, I'm not that person that gets around you and makes you feel like a failure. (laughs) That's pretty good, isn't it? (laughs) Brother's like, I don't know this guy. But anyway, (laughs) here's the thing. Have you ever been around that person? And you can be having a great day. And they show up, and as Lily says, it's just. (laughs) Say, Lily, what do you think about that? (laughs) Okay, all right. Even though, listen to me, even though. You're a good father, a good mother, a good husband, a good wife. They can come around and make you feel like you're failing. Why? Because they're always picking at something maybe you don't have complete victory over or pointing something out that's a mistake or a failure. Always believe what God said about His Word. He said in His Word, if any person is engrafted in Christ, he is a new creation. Look at this. A new creature altogether. Is there anything left out of altogether? The old. Notice He contrasts old and new, the old, previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. Are you in Christ? Is Christ in you? You're a new creature altogether. Oh, do you see that? And all things. Are of God. What all things? All those new things. All things have become new. All those new things are of God. So that means everything new that came into you is God's idea. Right? Who has reconciled us to. Oh, stop right there. He's reconciled us to Himself by. Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Glory. Can, can you show me that in the message translation? We have the message translation. Glory to God. Oh, I, I need you to see this. This is so good. Oh, my Lord. You brought your shouting clothes? Been shouting a little bit. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We look at the Messiah that way once and got it all wrong. As you know, we certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside, and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone, a new life burgeons. Look at it. All this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he's doing. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. Oh, now that we've become friends with God, he's already a friend with you. God reconciled us to Himself by the blood of Jesus Christ. God made the initial contact just like He did with Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, God initiated the covenant with Abraham. You did not find God. God found you. You did not approach God. God approached you. Nobody came to God on their own. Nobody came to God except the Holy Spirit drew them. And why did the Holy Spirit draw them? Because God is at work in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. And and, and, and notice this. We'll end with this. Verse 21. He has made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin. Very important. He did not know sin. That doesn't mean he just didn't participate in it. He didn't know it. He had had no relationship with sin. Jesus was tempted by sin, but he wasn't tempted with sin. The the devil tempted him. I I said that backwards. He was tempted with it, but not by it. The devil tempted him with it, but Jesus wasn't tempted by it. It had no hold on him. He did not know sin. For what reason? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Shh. Look at those words. He made him to be sin for us, he became sin on the cross and he didn't know sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So in these, in these five or six verses, we see the totality of redemption. We see that Jesus Christ came into the earth. God reconciled the world unto himself. You were made a new creature in Christ, man, woman, boy, or girl, black, white, Hispanic, whatever it is, fat, ugly, skinny, whatever, short, tall. You were made a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things, when did they pass away? Immediately. They all became new. When? Immediately. And at that moment of new creaturehood, you were put right with God. Say it out loud. I am right with God. I am, right with God. I am the righteousness of God. I, am righteousness of God. I, have I have a covenant that says I'm forgiven. That says I'm right with God. I'm a, I'm a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. Don't back off that. Don't back off that. Yeah, but Pastor, you know, nobody knows what I did. That's okay. Nobody has to know what you did. You know what you did, and you ask God to forgive you. Move on. All right, now, this, you get quiet. You got to talk. Tell your neighbor, say, you know what you did. God forgave it. Now move on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me finish with this. Let me finish with this when you were born into this people planet hallelujah let me see here who who can i who can i use here jeremy can you and sarah come up here you, you get shed of one of them children for a minute all right now here just just both of y'all stand right there side by side i want to introduce you to adam and eve Right? There? <laughs> Adam and Eve. This this is the beginning. Right? We know we know where they failed. But the Bible then says that every person born after the similitude of Adam was born into sin. Born a slave to sin. Is that right? Hallelujah. Give me some help. Jamie, come up here. Wyatt, come up here. Hallelujah. Morgan, come up here. Yeah, just either place. Please, come up here. Give me some boys and girls. Come on, Ivy. Come and help me. If I call your mom up, would that be better? No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, 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 now stretch out here, stretch out here. Y'all come on, line up here, line up here. Here's here's the problem, here's the problem, here's the problem. Everybody born all the way down their line is born into sin. Nobody has an option, nobody has a choice. The Bible says that they were born slaves to sin. They're in bondage, they're in prison. I I can't get out. There's no way out. She can want to set her free, but she can't because a slave can't set a slave free. The problem was somebody had to come from outside his line to set him free. The Bible says that God sent Jesus into the earth, and he was made in the form of flesh, born in flesh, born under the law, that he might redeem all those. They're in bondage. Somebody had to come from the outside. So the day came that Galatians says, when the fullness of time had come, that Jesus came in the flesh. When he died on the cross of Calvary and shed his blood and received the keys to death, hell, and the grave, it was, not, it, was, it, was, it was so vital for us as believers, but what he did was he went to that prison and he unlocked the gate from the outside. And when he opened the gate, he set all of us free. All I got to do is walk out. Because I'm free. Amen. So it doesn't matter what they're bound by. It it can be addiction. It can be alcohol. It can be pornography. It can be lying. It can be failures. It doesn't matter. If that was the prison, I have been set free by somebody from the outside. Hallelujah. Y'all can sit down. Thank you. Isn't that great? All you gotta do is walk out. All you gotta do is walk out. Hallelujah. Because you have a covenant of blood. Oh, hallelujah. Let's bow our heads tonight. On any any given service, any given time, any any given day. I don't know who's watching online. I don't know, I don't know everybody that's in church or on any given Sunday. But here's what I know. Here's what I know is that nobody's here by accident. Nobody's here by happenstance. Nobody's here by coincidence. I don't know where you stand with God. But here's what I know. But the Bible says that Jesus Christ came into the earth to save sinners. Paul said, of whom I'm chief. He said, who before was a blasphemer, an injurious, but I obtained mercy. That tells us that it doesn't matter what's happened, what's occurred, what has been the issue, that in Christ I will find mercy. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, you're under the sound of my voice tonight, and there's two things. Either you know you're not born again, you know you're not born again, you know you're not saved, you're not living right for God or you're allowing the enemy to bring up your past and to call your failures to your mind on a consistent basis, and it is hindering your ability to live successfully for God. If that's you on either of those two scores, would you just be judgment day honest tonight, and would you just lift your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Pastor, that's me. I I, I need you to pray with me. I need you to pray for me. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. Thank you for those hands. God bless you. Hallelujah. Now here's what we're going to do. We're going to lead everybody in one prayer. If you're not where you need to be with God, we'll settle that issue. If you've been dealing with that past issue, we'll settle it too. Say this out loud. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh that he died on the cross and shed his blood for my sin. I confess him now as my Lord. And Father, because of what he did, I am made free from my past. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. I'm right with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. That settles it. That settles it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No more bondage. No more shame. Hallelujah. I believe God. I believe God. Well, very quickly, there is an envelope there in the seat back in front of you. If you would like to sow into the uh, offering tonight, I don't want to miss the opportunity for you to sow. Glory to God. God is so good to us. God is so good to us. You know, you really just have to focus on the ability of the seed to direct abundance into your life. Because you may give varying amounts But you know, if I if I reached in my pocket and I pulled out a $50 bill or a $5 bill, the same ink in the 50s in the five. The only difference is which one do you think is better? (laughs) Well, the 50. Because it's 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 it has more potential. Every seed sown has the potential to change your life. Glory to God. Amen. When you're ready to sow tonight, guys, why don't you come on tonight? Thank you, Jesus. When you're ready to sow into the kingdom of God, you can come rejoicing in the name of Jesus. the seed in Jesus' name. Hey, Hallelujah. More than, enough, more than enough. 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 I love the Lord. I believe God. Uh Amen. Well, Father, we lift these seeds to you tonight. We thank you that you love us so much. And as your under-shepherd, we thank you for them, and I call your people blessed. I call them favored. I call them healed in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. You can stand on your feet tonight. Father, we thank you and we declare over your people, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and the Lord give you peace. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. But don't forget, of course, now Wednesday night, We'll be starting a new series. I encourage you to be here, uh, if at all possible. Now, if you can't be here, we understand, uh, but we're starting a new series that we're going to go through all the way through Eastern. And we're not moving away from the covenant. We're going to continue with the covenant, but uh, we're going to be dealing Wednesday night with a a sermon entitled Right There in That Room. All right, and we're going to be dealing with the two instances of Jesus before his death, burial, and resurrection in the upper room, the things that he said in the upper room, and then the things he said in the upper room after his resurrection. So we're going to be dealing with those things, what he said right there in that room, and what God says to you when you come to church right here in this room. So amen, right there in that room. So praise God. God's good. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, you don't want to miss that. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. So come on, say it with me tonight. The vision of our church will always be to build people's faith and frame their world by the word of God. You and I will always be world changers. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this message. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request or want to share how this message has helped you, send us an email at main at buildfaith.net. This message and many more materials are available to you free of charge, can be found at buildfaith.net or at any of our location media stores. As always, keep the switch of faith turned on and build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God.